Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we receive so that we can come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. We have a great show for you today. Joining me today is my new friend, Jim Manley, who is a retired pilot with MAF, or Mission Aviation Fellowship. He's also an author, a blogger, and is this year's keynote at the Meridian Marriage Prayer Breakfast on Thursday, May 4th, which is also the National Day of Prayer. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's um, on this rainy day. I'm happy to be here and doing good today, feeling feeling up. So so we we pre-record this show. We don't we don't pretend that we don't, but I, you know, I live in Canyon County and I got up this morning and let the dog out and I literally said, "Hey, at least it's only rain today." And then I logged onto Facebook and saw all the snow over here in Ada County. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It was like, "Wow, that's unique." Yeah, yeah. So, but by the time I came over, it's turned to rain and mm-hmm. we need it. You know, yes, a year a year ago our small group was praying fervently for God to end the drought. Right. And now we're giving him great praises for ending the drought. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I literally are brand new friends. Right. So when I called you, thank you so much for picking up the phone. Because, you know, the common thing is if I don't know that number anymore, people don't pick up the phone. That's so, my habit. But for some reason, I picked up when you called. Well, thank you. Thank mm. you for picking that up. And I want to I wanna just give a shout out and thank Pastor Mark Bryan for connecting us. Mm-hmm. I had reached out to Mark. He's also a friend of mine. And I said, hey, who's this year's keynote at the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast? And and he said, Jim, and, and you'll love him. And, so, and he's <laughs> right. So on your website, you give a peek into your testimonial. And it just really intrigued me. And so I was hoping that you would share some of your testimony with our listeners today. Well, um, Let's see. I spent a lot of years doing my own thing, like most of us. And uh, after uh, I was in the Marine Corps for a while. Thank you. Learned the 27 ways of ending human life as we know it. And uh, But after I got out, I did the next logical thing, and I became a hippie. Lived in a tent behind the college I was going to in Southern California. And uh, I realized after a while that my life was just, it was going downhill fast. I was doing many, not all, but many of the hippie things. And one day I was uh, hitchhiking on old Highway 101 in Southern California, San Diego County, and a redneck picked me up. In those days, uh, rednecks and hippies were kind of like Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other was the nicest thing you could say. And he started uh, talking to me about the Lord and it was obvious he had never done this before or very little because he hemmed and hawed and, and could hardly get two sentences out without stumbling on his own words. And I was thinking, oh, man, not again, because every day for about six months, somebody was talking to me about Jesus. Lived in a tent at the uh, Carlsbad State Park right there on the ocean. You walk a few feet and you're in the water. Uh, and I was going to a college inland from there. And so I was going, not again. Oh, Lord. Well, I didn't say Lord then. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah. And, but then finally, he gets really nervous and he says, do you, do you, would you, would you, uh, 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 do you, uh, 
do you want to accept the Lord? And I had no background in Christianity at all. But he and I both got a really big surprise right then because I said yes. Because I, I knew my life was going downhill. I, I, I knew it for a lot of reasons I won't go into right now. But it was what was happening inside me was like there was this log jam. You imagine when they were bringing the logs down the Payette River and it would get jammed. Yeah. It would build up. And it just suddenly broke loose. So it wasn't in my head. It was in my heart. And I, I was really surprised, but I really meant it. And his eyes got about as big around as saucers. He says, really? You're kidding me. I don't. Uh, uh. So he pulls over into the center lane, into the center divider, which was um, uh, ice plant. That's where they did the freeways in California then. And so we halted through a prayer. And where he pulled over happened to be exactly where I wanted to get out. So I said in hippies, well, it's far out, man. This is really out of, you know, out of sight. And, he's, and all he said was, wow, praise God. Wow, praise God. I got out of the car. He drove off. I've never seen him again. Don't know his name or anything. And all I knew about Christianity then uh, was that I just the sun was going down. It was in the afternoon. And I just said, Lord, it was the first time I used the word Lord. I said, I just know my life my life is never going to be the same again and never has been and the and the witness to me was that on the inside my desires changed I didn't have anybody giving me a list of you must do this or you can't do that yeah. nothing like that it just my desires changed That's absolutely amazing and how many times have we not you because you had the best example somebody who really had probably never presented the gospel before mm, or or maybe so. maybe maybe i will never know well maybe not on this side of heaven yes, we'll never yeah. know but but he got brave mm-hmm. and he left his comfort zone mm-hmm. in mo- multiple ways first of all he picked up a hippie somebody yep. that he w- was his polar opposite mm-hmm. but he followed the calling the holy spirit laid on his heart to present yes. the gospel. Yeah. Somebody else had planted the seeds. This is something I talk about frequently in our ministry. You know, our job is sometimes to plant the seeds, sometimes we're to nurture the seeds or, mm-hmm. or to, to tend the garden. And then there are those who bring in the harvest. Right. So there had been those who had been planting seeds and nurturing them along the way. And here comes this poor fellow who goes out on a limb and shares the gospel. Even in a broken way, you mm-hmm. don't have to be eloquent to share the gospel. No, you don't. And changed your life forever. Yes, dramatically. It was that is that is so cool, and it's and it's something I often have to remind myself. We don't all get to bring in the harvest. Nope. Sometimes our job is to plant. Sometimes it's to garden or to nurture, and then and then and when we're blessed to get to bring in a harvest, that's awesome. But we just need to just do our part. Yes. And, that's so cool. That's so important. So then you jump to, you're still going to college, and you find mm-hmm. out your college offers a flight school. Yes. Now, that's unique in today. You don't hear that. You go to flight school today. I, right. I don't know of too many colleges that offer a flight school. So so how did you find out about that? And tell us that, because that impacted just as big, I think, the trajectory of your life. Oh, definitely. And actually, I... Uh, I moved out of my tent, and I moved into a house in Fallbrook, California, and uh, I exchanged room and board for caring for avocado groves. 
And uh, every day when I would go to school, I'd drive down the hill, little windy roads there, and there's this little metal sign on the edge of a country road that said airport, and it pointed uh, up a road that wound up a hill. And I'd go by that every day, and I wondered, what in the world? And so one day I drove up there, and uh, I was there about an hour, and when I left, it was minus my life savings of $136.36, And I signed up for flight lessons. And I did my first four flight lessons. Uh, My instructor is a woman, Barbara Whips. And she just had a special glow. And I look back now and I say, you know, that was God speaking through her. So I took my first four lessons there. And I just, I remember that first flight when the wings took the weight of the airplane and the wheels lifted off. It was like, ah, yes. This is what I'm supposed to do. It was just an instantaneous. So then uh, shortly while I was doing those four flight lessons there, I found out that my school offered flight lessons. And there were a couple of the instructors, a chemistry instructor, and I forget what the other fellow was, and they owned a a little training airplane, a Cessna 150, and uh, they put together these classes. And I found it was a lot more convenient, a lot less expensive. Yeah. And uh, so I just started then. And um, and I I paid for that by making jewelry like this. This is the last thing I made. I made our... Oh, it's can't beautiful. See it but, yeah, can't, um, you can't see it, but it's his wedding band, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and so I did the lost wax process, and that's how I paid for flying. That's incredible. So... So this is a day or two ago. So mm-hmm. how how many hours, do you remember how many hours you had to log before you could get your pilot's license, your first license? Because there were uh, other licenses oh, that yeah. followed. Yeah. Uh, I probably got it, you know, I don't remember, probably in about 50 hours, high 40s, low 50s, something like that. As, um, as a young girl, my dad had a, had a good friend that did not have any legs. He had lost his legs mm. in an accident, but he flew small planes. Oh, wow. And as a young girl, he took me up a few times. And you're right. There's, I mean, I was too young to fly, but as a pilot. But anyway, it was, there was something that is so different in the smaller plane than it is a commercial airliner. So one of the things I like about it and that I miss not flying every day, I mean, I still fly some, but not every day. And it's what I call the 3D life. When even, you know, we have mountains here and so forth, and we go up and down, but we're still stuck to the ground. Yeah. But when you fly a lot, you get used to having a third dimension of motion that becomes part of your normal environment. And that's one of the things that really attracts me. The other is, is you look down at the earth, and it's almost like you see God's fingerprints. He says, yeah, we need a river over here. And he makes a river and some mountains, and he mounds them up and so forth. So That's cool. So how did you become involved with MAF? Ah, we were living in a uh, small town in Northern California called Grass Valley. And uh, (laughs) this sounds really strange, but the Lord spoke to me very directly that he wanted us to buy the business there at the airport. We did not have a lot of money. Did, you know, yeah, we didn't. Young married couple and so forth. And I had been doing a little flight instruction, freelance flight instruction, and God just opened the door to do that. So we ran the airport, airport business, 
And uh, also as part of that, I flew what they call air attack for the U.S. Forest Service, and that's the spotter plane. Okay. So I was like the air boss's uh, chauffeur and secretary. I got him to the fire and managed all the radio stuff for him and so forth. Well, during that time, I felt called to the ministry. And I don't mind speaking. I actually enjoy speaking to groups of people. I mean, I get nervous like everybody else does, but I, I kind of enjoy it. And I felt called to the ministry. And at that time, all I knew about ministry was that you're either a pastor, a traveling evangelist, or you do something like that overseas. That's yeah. all I knew. And uh, I said, well, Lord, I, you know, I'll do anything. This is the great thing. I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want. I'm yours, uh, but I won't be a pastor. Okay, so we, you have that straight? Okay, that's off the table. <laughs> so, Oh, you're lucky you didn't end up full-time in a pulpit. <laughs> oh, gosh. You don't know. So I prayed every morning in our business. I had a little prayer meeting. Sometimes it was just me. Sometimes there'd be half a dozen or more people in there. It just depended. And I would pray that, Lord, I'll do anything you want. And often I would say with a caveat. And no one called me on it, actually. But then two years, nothing happened. Made zero movement on the ministry. So we were running the business. And um, one Sunday at church, the Lord just spoke to me that it's all or nothing. It's not like 70, 30, 90, 10, or anything like that. And so after the service, I just went down to the altar and and I just said, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you want. I'll even be a pastor. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I will, I, but please don't ask me to. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. one reason I said that is a good friend of mine, uh, my hunting and fishing buddy, was our pastor. And the preaching part, that's what everybody sees. But that's, you know, maybe I could do that. It's but a it's drop all the in rest. the bucket. Yep. Yeah. I don't have those skills. I don't, you know, I don't have those gifts. And so a week and a half later, a friend of mine who I knew in business, in the aviation business, flew into our airport, and he said, you know, Jim, I never told you, but I'm also a volunteer representative for MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship. And so he gave me that card, and it was like, uh, it was back in the days of like the Rolodex with the business things in it, and he would, uh, and it was like a coal burning there. Make a long story short, it's in my book. I became convinced that that's what we should do. And I'll just, I'll stop right now on, on that part, but there were some confirmations. And about a year and a half after that, we were in language school in Costa Rica learning Spanish. That's it was, incredible. It was like the Lord opened a door, kicked us through it, and there was a greased chute on the other side. It's like, at last, Jim, I've been trying to get you to... <laughs> Had to, you know, had to, had to prepare you. Yes. You know, I, at my old job, at my old J-O-B, mm-hmm. I would pray, Lord, if this is not my forever career, would you please leave a little room for real ministry in my schedule? Oh. Never dreaming that yes. when he opened that door, it would be full-time ministry. So, you know, sometimes you just have to be willing. But but yeah, but I wasn't brave enough to say, but don't make me be a pastor. Oh. But, I, but, but yeah, but I'm not. I still laugh at that. I was so, so stupid. <laughs> oh no, you were human, and I love yeah. that. I, you know. So, how long were you were you with MAF? A uh, total of about thirty four years. And, and go ahead. Your favorite part? Uh, I have to say, my favorite part was working with the indigenous folks in the Amazon jungle. I love the flying. It gave my flying a whole new meaning because the Lord was using it, and that's that's one of my messages now. Is that 
almost anything we do, the Lord can use for ministry. Yep. Ministry is not just preaching or teaching. Those are important ministries, indispensable ministries. But every call of life, we can administer God's grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were just talking about that last night in small group. As you know, sometimes we're just called to live out our sermons. Yes. <laughs> not not yeah. preach them, yeah. but to live them out because the lost are watching us. It's that, there's that quote that's attributed to uh, Francis of Assisi. It says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. One of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites. So do you have a most harrowing event that you can share with us? Well, the goal of um, every flight, particularly in MAF, we're operating in places where you just don't have the infrastructure. Yep. The airplanes fly the same. That's all the same. Inside of clouds, the same color there as here. But it's everything, all the support is much different. It's not there. Yeah. And you're flying in a difficult environment. And so people would ask me, uh, you know, this must be really exciting. And I say, well, our goal is to make every flight as boring as possible. What'd you do today? Oh, I flew with MF. Oh, really boring. Yeah, nothing. Just took off, flew over, landed. Yeah, not much. Let's see. Probably the things that impacted me the most were we did a lot of air ambulance flying. Uh-huh. And uh, I had people die in the airplane, <laughs> patients. But I had, I had miraculous recoveries. It was just amazing. Uh, I flew, I flew a, a man who'd had a snake bite, young, big, big husky guy, big for the indigenous uh, folks there. And uh, there were just two little pinpricks on his leg. And he was feeling fine, but thought he should go to the hospital. Two days later, I had to fly his body back home. Oh, how sad. But another time, shortly thereafter, and snake bites, if we could get him to medical help in four hours, they had a 50% chance of survival. So uh, but a few days later, I flew a young girl, about 12 years old, who'd been bitten in the arm, and she was in really bad shape. She was turning green and black, and her oh, arm wow. was all swollen. They put a tourniquet on, but it was... and. When she was conscious, she was in agony, screaming, and then she'd be unconscious. I didn't think she lived to, from that village. It was about a 30-minute flight to our base. And so we, we prayed over her, as we do, as we can, pray with all our patients. And about a week later, she was sitting in the waiting room and wanting to go home. Oh, that's amazing. So, Praise God. God wasn't done with her yet. Nope. He had, nope. He had a great plan for her. So you had some great experiences, which then, and, I, and in your introduction, I said, you're an author and yes. a blogger. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in researching you the last, I, I've honestly been kind of researching you for a couple of weeks. So oh. I've, I've done some follow-up and some reading and some of your blogs and, and the synopsis of your books. So let's talk about some of your books, because the first one started because you started writing for the MAF paper, the internal mm-hmm. paper and yes. some of that. And you were challenged then to take the best of. Yes. And that was your first book. And, and re- refresh my memory. I have it in my notes. I'm call for news, reflection of mm-hmm. a, Reflections of a Missionary Pilot. That had to be really honoring to think that you had written so well that they wanted them all compiled. It was, actually. Uh, I don't know if you know the name. Bernie May of, MA, of uh, Wycliffe of uh, Jars. I don't. They're the... Uh, aviation branch of Wycliffe Bible Translators. And he wrote to me one day, he said, Jim, you need to collect these in a book. And that meant a lot to me because he was 
he's also an author. He was. I think he's passed now. So I started collecting them. I started writing them just because I got bored with telling people, hey, send me your news. It was called Call for News. That's where it came from. And then your next book, we're we're coming down here to the wire. So I, and okay. we've got a couple more things. So let's talk briefly about your next two. Your your next book was um, Mile High Missionary, A Jungle Pilot's Memoir. Right. And so, that's where I, my goal there is to put the reader in the pilot seat, not as a passenger. And so I talk primarily about the life of a jungle pilot and what that's like. Because it's a very different world. It is a very different world. And then you just recently released your first in a series of three fictional novels. Yes. What can you tell us about that? Including the title, because I'm not sure I can pronounce. Okay, well, it's it's a nod to C.S. Lewis, the Paralandra Paradox. And in the second book, it'll become more apparent what that means. It's about a ordinary family, lives here in Boise, uh, who uh, he suddenly confronted with access to a spaceship from the future. And uh, so how does this family deal with this extraordinary, and, and things get dangerous and risky and so forth. And uh, so it's about that. It's about ordinary people being confronted with extraordinary circumstances. And they are believers, but how does, that, how does their faith play into what they're doing and what they're confronted with? And all of your books are available on Amazon, yes. correct? And, and it's your, your author, your your author name is? My full it, name, James Rush Manley. And it's M-A-N-L-E-Y. Yeah. So I encourage you to read it. I, I read the teaser on on your newest one, and oh. I was like, I think I have to order that book. <laughs> so I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't read a lot of fiction anymore because I just have so much on my on my reading plate, but it intrigued me. So, and then you're this year's keynote at the Meridian Mayor's Prayer Breakfast. And I can't wait to hear, do you have just a little teaser that you can share? Well, I'm going to talk about, at some length, the second part of my testimony of how I got into MAF, uh, an amplified version of what you're talking about. Well, first, I'm going to talk about the life of a missionary pilot and what it's like in the Amazon jungle. And then, how did I get there? Because that was not my first choice. I did not feel called to be a missionary, even after a believer. It was a kind of a surprise thing. And so, I'm going to talk about that. And my main message is that like I said earlier, we're all called to the ministry, and God gives us, it's First Peter 4, 10 and 11. He gives us various skills and graces, but he wants us to use them to edify the body in whatever way he's equipped us, in whatever arena he puts us. Absolutely. So Amen. that's my encouragement. So as we come down to the wire, I just want to let people know that you can hear Jim's story at the 53rd Annual Meridian Marriage Prayer Breakfast, which is Thursday, May 4th, the National Day of Prayer. This year's Marriage Prayer Breakfast will be held at 10 Mile Christian Church, which is located at Franklin and 10 Mile Roads in Meridian. It's at 7 a.m. Tickets are 20 bucks, and you can get your ticket at meridianchamber.org. Or if you want more information, you can email them at info at meridianchamber.org. It happens every week. We're out of time. Jim, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Will you come back another day and share some more stories? You bet. Thanks for inviting me, Sandy. I would love it. Folks, we are out of time. You can pick up your own copy of Christian Living Magazine at over 600 locations throughout all of Southern Idaho. Or if you're out of the area, you can read us online at christianlivingmag.com. I hope you'll join us again next week when we'll have another inspiring guest who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. 
This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.